Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're listening to a podcast from The Pool. If you enjoy this episode, we'd love it if you could rate, review and subscribe. Thank you. Hi, I'm Viv Groskop, your pool agony aunt. I'm here to tackle your emotional issues and dispense the tough love that your friends are too polite to give. On this week's Dear Viv, what to do when your new partner's child doesn't like you. This week's Dear Viv is our 100th episode, so to mark this special occasion, I've invited comedian, actress, writer and brilliant podcaster Carrie Lloyd to join me in the studio to answer one of your questions. Welcome, Carrie It's so lovely to have you here for our 100th birthday. Now, you deal with some really intensely personal issues on your podcast, Griefcast, which I can't recommend highly enough. Do you feel ready to take on a Dear Viv question today? Yeah, I do. I think so. Because Griefcast, every week I talk to a different comedian about their experience of death and grief. It's pretty heavy, (laughs) but also fun. So yeah, I feel ready. I'm ready for your 100th birthday. And just so if anyone hasn't listened to Griefcast, what's the background to that? Why did you want to start that podcast? Um, So my dad died when I was 15. So I've spent a long time talking about grief and death with my friends or people I met at parties just being that girl like I used to call myself like go-to grief girl be like oh Carriad will be able to help you because she's been in the club so long and then I thought oh, I wonder if someone I wonder if these conversations are interesting so I started just recording conversations with comedians and now it's sort of comedians and funny people rather than specifically comedians I talk to like writers and producers and actors and improvisers about their experiences of death and grief so that can be from losing a grandparent to losing a child to losing a dog to losing a brother to sister like mums dads all different experiences of loss basically and how long have you been doing it and how often does the podcast come out and we've been doing it since 2016 I think on and off and it's been weekly since December or something last year yeah Mm. and has it changed the way that you relate to grief has it has it helped you personally to have all of these conversations or was it just an extension of what you were already doing it's helped me massively in a way I could never ever have predicted like I can't believe how because I have to talk about it every week (laughs) so you can't avoid it so loads of stuff I think that I thought was dealt with has been dealt with better and then also because I talk to someone every week who's experienced grief and death you start realizing how normal it is and you stop feeling so isolated which is the biggest thing about grief is it makes you feel isolated like chemically makes you feel like no one understands you um and then the fact that I talk about it so much different people I now feel like yeah 
just it's around us everywhere everyone's gonna die everyone's got a death story like it's made me feel much less anxious about it actually much more like yeah it's normal oh Karen I don't think you can be better qualified for this (laughs) I know you really do have the credentials right so let's get straight into this question dear Viv I'm in a relationship with a man who has a seven-year-old daughter I have a nine-year-old son, so on paper, this could be really ideal. However, although my other half is really keen for us to be a family, I'm worried that this is just never going to be the case. His ex, his daughter's mum, passed away unexpectedly when his daughter was a tiny baby. Ever since then, I get the impression that he and his family have been looking for a substitute mother to look after them both, And it's really obvious that there are loads of wounds that just haven't healed. The trouble is, although I have sometimes been really lonely bringing up my son on my own, I had him at 18 and his dad walked away, I actually love my life as it is. I'm fiercely independent and I value the pretty flexible, free life that I have with my son. We're very close and I just can't imagine loving anyone as much as I do my little man. So while I'm really happy that I've finally found this man, I'm just not sure I can be what he wants me to be. I don't want any more children, thanks to the horrific postnatal depression I had, and I can't ever imagine wanting to be anyone else's mum. I suppose I always thought that when my son grows up, I would go off and have the adolescence I missed out on. The other trouble is, his daughter doesn't actually seem to like me very much and for the six months that we've been together I've been working pretty hard to get his little girl on side. I'm actually a primary school teacher and I don't mean to brag but the children at work love me. I've tried to approach the friendship from angles of her interest, girly things, crafty things, ponies etc but no luck. I don't think she's picking up on my mum crisis feelings because it's only lately that these have started. The worst bit is that she plays on her dad a lot. She seems to get away with everything. And even when she's spiteful to my son, pinching, kicking, mean words, my other half never says a word. There's a lot of allowances made for her behaviour owing to the really sad reasons she hasn't got her own mum around. So I feel like when I have to intervene because horrid things are happening to my son, I'm just stepping on toes and being some sort of Disney villain stepmom. I've tried bringing this up with my other half, but he gets quite emotional about it and I really don't want to hurt him. Please help me with my mum life crisis. Wow, there's wow. a lot going on there, isn't there's there? There's a lot going on there. I think there's a lot. I feel like we need to unpack a lot. Well, yeah, of where does your mind go to, first of all, when you think about what, what the problem is here? Well, there's lots going on. I think the initial first bit of the letter is sort of like, I'm not actually sure I want to be in this relationship it seems like but then I don't know that's just like I'm unhappy and perhaps I'm being negative um so I would say first is like this is a big load of stuff to deal with grief is huge grief in children is huge and you've got a grieving ex-husband there so is she saying I actually don't think I want to deal with this but then she's also talking about how the problem is so I think it's two things I think she needs to work out like whether she actually does want to go into this and then if she does then how she goes into it I can yeah, do, you know. I think you're absolutely right. I think the really interesting thing that she almost says as an aside mm. is that they've been together for six months. Yeah. That's nothing. It is 
nothing and you are dealing with so she said the little girl's seven that is seven years of grief she's probably only really starting to get her head around the fact that her mum isn't there in the last year well yeah I don't know it is it is slightly complicated though by the fact that clearly this child has never had a mother so she probably yeah. doesn't remember her mother that's a yeah, different so that's, kind of grief isn't that's it? the thing like yes yeah, it's, it's very different and as the child ages the child will understand it more so that she'll be going through the fact that her mum died when she was so young she will be grieving for the rest of her life at different stages so that's a really intense massive thing to deal with because she won't have remember I mean maybe she does you know it doesn't sound like it does when she was born so she, she says when when she was a tiny baby yeah so she'll never remember her mum being there so as she gets older she's gonna have to like I would say I think I think therapists say like six or seven is when they can start to understand my mum died but they don't it still won't be I'm really understanding that till 10 11 and then she's going to go through a teenager having no mum and then she's going to be 21 having so if she's already (laughs) like worried like this is not going to go away that girl is going to grieve for the rest of her life that's not to be negative like you can grieve and still have a great time and still be a healthy happy person but that is an issue that that little girl will always be having to go through and I yeah I just think the first half of the letter really comes to me of like she's not actually sure she wants to do this which is totally fine like she no one should have to you can't you can't replace someone's mum you can't that is never going to happen so that might be I don't know if the pressure's coming from her partner to do that or her. Well, this is what worries me is this fact that they've been in this relationship for only six months. And even setting aside the issue of grief, which, as you say, is in itself a whole thing to deal with in any family, in any relationship, especially when children are involved. Even if that were not the case and this were was a relationship where it's going towards what people call a blended family. So you know, there's two new partners, they both have a child, right? Because she doesn't talk very much about her son, but yeah. equally it must be very difficult for him. Um, You know, in my experience of knowing people going into these situations, they wait a lot longer than six months before meeting the children. Yeah, yeah. And it seems to me as if they've missed out on the, um, I'm going to sound like I'm about 157 now, <laughs> but on the courting stage yes, I think of you're their right. relationship. Yeah. So my advice to her would be to step back from this whole thing stop meeting up with the children take the children out of the equation and see how the two of you get on you know she talks about wanting this adolescence because she's very young you know she's had her baby when she was 18 and has been living as a single mother and she wants to have some fun you know she deserves to get to know this this man who's had his own share of problems with his grief they deserve to go out and have some fun together before they start thinking about you know being parents together and I think I get the sense like she is there's an anxiety that they've brought her into a place to be a mother figure and I think the only way she's going to get rid of that is if she gets on with him without like you said without the kids around and then she will feel wanted as a partner rather than oh you need a mum and you need someone to help with raising a family so I would definitely feel like I agree with you the children need to be I would say just keep them separate have dates have fun and then be like do we actually do we actually get on because it sounds like it sounds like all of this has just been about the grief and the children and exactly. you know this huge which is understandable because what she's walking into is a huge huge thing like you losing someone at that age and having a child like I said that is that will be with that girl for the rest of her life in some capacity um so I think, yeah, like work out whether you actually even want to go in this. And if you don't, that's fine. Don't feel guilty. Like 
it's not making you a bad person because you don't want to become someone's replace someone's dead mother like that's that's not (laughs) bad no one no one wants to do that If, if you don't have the love for their their dad and that's also what I would say about I think she's focusing so much on the little girl yeah, perhaps actually, because she's a teacher and yeah. she's used to thinking about children's feelings. Yeah, and I think that, so my personal advice, my personal advice, even though I was 15 when my dad died, as a girl in that situation, I think I would tell her to just leave the girl alone and not leave as in like ignore, but the friend thing can be really, because she's a teacher, I think she's probably used to being, oh, like I like she said, I'm good with kids. But when your parent has died, you're so you're so suspicious of everybody because you think things will be taken from you. And so the only way that girl will, I would say, would, will ever trust her is if she's still there in 10 years. Like, that's just like, you don't have to be best friend. You don't have to get on with ponies. You just have to be there because what she knows is people go. People aren't there. So it's like, that's just going to come with time. I would say stop trying to be her friend and just be with the partner. Be, obviously, be nice and include her, but don't, don't make that extra effort because also kids know. Kids are like, I know you're being nice to me because my mum's dead. And I know what this, you know, even if it's not just about that, obviously it's, you know, she wants to be a kind, nice person. But I think the biggest trust builder with children is time. And that little girl, if she's still there in 10 years, that little girl will appreciate that and will be nice to her and will have bonded with her and will understand that because yeah. she's but, been there. Yeah, thinking of in 10 years time as well, the other thing that I was thinking a lot about when I read this letter and I have to say I think this uh, woman sounds so sensitive and open and kind and generous she sounds like a wonderful person and like you know I I think she's already thought about this a lot and hopefully Mm. this letter helped her to reach her own conclusion about this and maybe we're backing that up in whatever way because I think this could go either way but the thing I was thinking about a lot was I know so many people who because it's become so common for us to get married later in life Mm. to meet people later in life there isn't such a rush to do it like there was kind of you know 30 40 years ago people who barely met each other and then they have their children yeah and when their children grow up what's left of their relationship yeah yeah. so I was thinking about this too because you know her son is nine the daughter is seven they maybe spend a couple of years waiting to get married they get married their kids are already virtually going to be in their teens after a few more years the kids won't be around and then you're with this person and it's so important to know the person that you're with yeah. not as a parent yeah yeah because you are not a parent for your you are a parent for your entire life yeah. to your child yeah but it's not the only thing that you are and I feel as if this whole letter is about her as a parent yeah. and that's all she's ever been since she was 18 yeah it's true isn't it maybe because she did become a mum so young like she's immediately gone into parent mode with this with that little girl whereas actually it's like yeah she needs the teenage romance with this man before exactly. before she had like she doesn't and also like she doesn't need to replace her mum like she can't that is not possible so work out that you like this person and want to then do the do the hard work with his kid which is like I said you can no one would blame you for walking away with that if you didn't love him that's totally fine no. it's not worth it I, and do, I, I think I, it's so hard though, isn't it? Because I can feel from this letter that it sounds like she really loves him and she really yeah. wants to make this work, but it's just a colossal lot of pressure. It's colossal. And I'd also, the other element in the letter is talking to him. And I would want to know, are either of them having counselling? Because 
I thought you were going to say, are they having great sex? Which is another important thing. But yes, are they having counseling? I mean, I'm all about the grief. That's my only expertise. Because I would say it sounds like, and often, you know, when someone dies unexpectedly, as it sounds like the mother did, it's shock. Everyone's in shock. And you can be in shock for 20 years. I swear to God, I was in shock for 20 years. And so I started that podcast and I was like, oh, I feel like I'm finally going, oh, that's what happened to me. So I think there's loads of amazing children's charities. There's um, Grief Encounter, Child Bereavement UK, Winston's Wish that works specifically with bereaved children. So perhaps she could do with going to, you know, a specialised like they kind of they get other bereaved children together they go on fun days they make them feel less alone and then it sounds like has he dealt with what happened to him because I feel like grief is a massive thing and if you don't talk about it it's like filling up a room with smog it's like no one can breathe so it feels like that's what she's walking into is like that heavy atmosphere of grief and that doesn't mean she can't help them and that doesn't mean if they start processing and talk about it but that work might need to start or begin before they can have a relationship because he might need to process a lot of stuff like the shock that he lost his partner clearly didn't you know it's not like they broke up or like she says her experience the dad walked away if that woman hadn't died I'd probably assume they'd probably still be together so that's a lot for someone to walk around with in their everyday life so perhaps it's worth talking to him about I don't know maybe he's not up for that yet which is again takes people all sorts of time and maybe it's not enough time but I definitely think that little girl sounds like she could do with talking to other bereaved children and feeling like maybe that would help rather than she sounds like she's confused and having to deal with grief which it is so confusing grief is the most confusing thing ever especially when you're seven you know she's probably only just understanding well I don't have a mummy like everyone else my mummy's dead that means she's never coming back like that's huge at seven to deal with yeah I completely agree with you and I would also encourage um the person writing in to be more selfish yeah definitely definitely. what does she want yeah because that's what I mean if she if she's like I want to be with him that's it then I would then be like oh maybe they could get counseling but if she doesn't want that or if she's not prepared to not prepared that's wrong but like if she's feeling like oh this isn't what I want then don't then that's fine like because it's it's massive and it sounds like that family are in a lot of pain the dad and the daughter and they're still processing that and it's not her job to fix it she can't like they you know they will always carry that sadness with them in some way it doesn't mean they won't be happy again but it definitely means you need she doesn't have to make them fix everything it feels like she wants to make everybody happy in a way and I also don't think that's, yeah, that's just not possible. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Well, I hope that's helpful. 
I wanted to ask you, Carrie Ads, yes, because you clearly have approached this from every single angle with <laughs> dozens of different people, dozens of different kinds of grief. Mm. What are the most common themes that emerge for people? Is there one thing in common that everyone has or is every grief individual and different? There's so, uh, grief is so strange because there's loads of crossovers, um, but everybody's grief is individual. And I think the reason, if you think about it, is like your relationship with your parent or your brother or sister is always defined so much by personalities and so you can get you know two sisters that hate each other and two sisters that love each other but I think there is a pain that you understand when someone is gone forever so the crossover is okay I know what you mean when that person's gone I understand what it means to never be able to see someone again but my feelings to my father will obviously be different to everybody you know their father or their mother or depending on how old you are or how affluent you are or how it happens you know if it's done if the death happens very tragically and suddenly or if it's done very peacefully when they're very old you know there's so many different factors but I think the pain is what we understand that's the sort of universal thing mm. and when your father died mm. you were a teenager was there anything in your experience to prepare you for it no <laughs> no um no not at all like and I don't think that's, oh, I, it's not particularly anyone's fault. We live in a, a culture now where death is kind of hidden away, really, mm. if you think about it. And that is also a lot to do with modern medicine. Like people tend to die in hospitals rather than at home or we have less people dying. What happened with your father? Um, so he had cancer, pancreatic cancer, and he was diagnosed in the February and then dead by the April. And then two weeks later, I had to do my GCSEs. <laughs> so, yeah, it was quite intense. Um and I'd lost my grandparents the year before. My grandparents had died the year before, sorry. In the grief club, sometimes lost is looked down on because it's like, you didn't lose them. They're not keys, they're people. And um, But it was like, they were old. And, you know, I was a teen, I was 14. And I was like, well, they were old. So there was more of a guess, like a logic about those deaths. Because it was like, okay, they'd lived their life and they got sick and then they died. Was My dad was extremely fit, extremely healthy, training for an Ironman, had run triathlons and marathons. So it was very like very unexpected and really shook up I would say like the entire family and you know the extended family as well so I I think because we don't talk about it it, it was even more shocking whereas actually when it happened to me there was two girls in my year who'd also lost their dads who sort of found me and were like oh yeah us too but before that I'd had no idea because you know it's all kept very don't mention it, it'll upset people and it's sad and, you know, don't talk about it, which I obviously understand, but I don't think it's very helpful. As ever, this new world we're living in where we talk about everything and mental health is now being discussed. It's just, you know, if you have anxiety or depression or anything like that and you know, oh, actually quite a few people do, you feel less alone. Same with grief. If you feel like, oh, actually quite a few people have been through what I've been through, you think, oh, Oh, maybe I'll get through this. <laughs> Do you think that is changing now, that people are more able to talk about it? Do you think it's a British thing? Is it cultural, that we're not comfortable? I think a lot of people don't know what to say. Yeah, yeah. I think, I don't know if it's British. I think it's like there's all sorts of countries that just don't talk about it. I think it is changing. There's a big, you know, we've all been aware of this big conversation rising about mental health. And I think we've kind of sneaks in under that of, you know, talking about stuff. And... This is the biggest problem is because people go, oh, I don't know what to say, therefore I won't say anything. But there's no other situation in your life where you'd have that. Like if someone has a baby and you don't know what to say, you sort of go, oh, 
congratulations like we because we sort of have learned from programs or watching people that seems like a good thing to say and same with death because we we just stop instead of just going oh i'm sorry i don't know if that's the right thing to say and then your friend or your family would be like oh it's okay i don't think there is anything to say but you've tried you've said something you've said something that's the most important thing is just to say something honest yeah just say something and i think i do compare it to birth an awful lot like you know, if when if when somebody had a baby in your family or your friendship group, you just all like didn't speak to them and left them alone because well, I mean their life's changed. What can I say? The, it's really weird. There's like a new person. You wouldn't do that. You'd be like, oh, I don't really know what to do, but I'll go round and I'll see what I can do. It's the same with death. It's like their life has changed in a way that they never thought or understood to this moment because someone's gone. So it's the absence of a person rather than the you know whatever the opposite the presence of a person Mm. so same thing just go and see and try if you get it wrong it's okay you know get it wrong and then say i'm sorry i got it wrong like Mm. we're all figuring it out and have you had any negative reactions to you doing this are there people who say oh i couldn't listen to that it would just be too depressing (laughs) i've had some people say that like but not many i think the only people who've ever said that as ever people who haven't listened so I did have somebody who remained nameless was like, oh, why would anyone listen? How depressing. And I said, have you listened to it? He said, no. And I was like, <laughs> well, as the big thing about the show, I always say is it's cheerier than it sounds because obviously I'm talking to comedians or writers and, you know, it's people who deal with comedy in their life. So we joke about it a lot. We don't joke about the death, like the death of the person is obviously sad, but everything around it. There's an amazing story Adam Buxton told where he was looking after his very elderly sick father and they were having him and the carer were moving him and and literally as they were moving him and his dad was sort of screaming in pain and just nothing was working. The carer was like, are you, uh, are you off the telly? <laughs> and Adam was like mid moving his dad like, uh, and he's like, I didn't want to lie, but also didn't want to be like, oh yes, it's for the Adam and Joe show. We had a series on Channel 4 quite well. Like, so he just sort of like, yeah, yes, but can we deal with this first? So there's always bizarre things <laughs> that happen around death that are funny. And I think, People are also so afraid to laugh. They're so afraid as if that's disrespectful. But it's like, as Max, actually, funnily enough, what's happened with birth, that now we're very honest to talk about the the harsh side of it. We don't have to pretend it's all brilliant. There's this other side of it that should be acknowledged. Exactly the same with grief. We should acknowledge this other side, which is, you know, joyous and celebratory and the funny, weird stuff that happens, like, is exists in equal balance to the awful terribleness. Mm. And this is... We should say, Carrie Adloyd, only a very small part uh, of what you do. I mean, clearly, this underpins a lot of your creative endeavours and the connection that you have with people and this wonderful sensitivity that you have. It really fuels your creativity, I think. But tell us about uh, some of the other things that you do and what you've been up to this year. The fun stuff. (laughs) So I'm in a show called Ostentatious, which is an improvised Jane Austen novel. It's one of my favourite things. Thanks, Viv. Yeah, so we improvise in the style of Jane Austen and for a Regency gear. And we're doing that monthly at the Savoy Theatre in London at the moment, which is just so much fun. Then we're going to Edinburgh and we're on tour as well uh, so we don't just play London and then I'm doing lots of writing I'm writing the panto for the Lyric Hammersmith this year <laughs> I see I can be cheery I can write fun panto things as well and then acting and things as well just and you're regularly on QI QI yeah then I just did the last the new series so we just filmed the series that'll be out in autumn and various other panel shows and the new Alan Partridge. I mean, I hope I make it to the edit. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, yeah, so just lots of different things. But yeah, this is 
obviously quite a strong passion of mine mm. I hope I was sensitive sorry because I'm so used to talking about grief I might have been a bit harsh to the listener's letter because I'm just like I talk about it all the time now so no like, we're all about the like, tough love yeah it's tough Viv. it's tough so what final word of wisdom shall we give to this lady who's written in then I think she knows what the answer is. Yeah, It's often the case on Dear Viv, and I should say this on the 100th episode because it comes up every single week. It's the act of writing the letter yeah. and expressing the problem that I think helps people more than me yeah. list, listing what the options are. And I do generally tend to list options rather than give advice. Mm. And I hope that we've helped her find some options. Yeah, I think she probably knows what it is. And I would just say, I think what you said was really good of like, what do you what does she want start from there and stop worrying about everyone else because those people are going to be sad or happy or fight like that's not she won't be able to actually fix those things because grief is too big for anyone to fix yeah thank you so much carad lloyd here's to another hundred oh, dear vivs thank you thank you that's all for today if you have a problem you'd like to submit please send your email to dearviv at thepoolltd.com or tweet us at thepooluk. Thanks for listening. Join us again soon and sign in to thepool.com where you can get more content specifically made by us for women like you. We hope we see you there. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.